name's Vesi. It's a great delight to um, welcome you here. And uh, I trust that you enjoy the time together already you have, I trust. We um, have been going on a journey through the book of Colossians, a letter. It's a wonderful letter that Paul writes to a church in a particular location. And uh, what we have seen is that as we've gone through this, this journey, um, we've come kind of like to the end of it, but there's more to see and more to find and more to enjoy. And so we've, as we've gone through it, we've kind of reverted back to a concept from this letter called the gospel. And we want to kind of re-emphasize or re-look at and, and see how we can shape our lives according to the gospel. And so the title of our message, last week we started with it, and uh, this week we're going to carry on. It's just simply called The Gospel and I. So it's, you're involved in this preach, all right? So just check your neighbor and say, this is for you. Just please tell them, this is for you. And so what we did is we, we started off, um, again, just looking at, at the book of, or the letter of Colossians. And I want to quickly just take you there. Colossians chapter 1 and um, verse 5, it says, and I'm reading it from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Colossians chapter 1 verse 5 says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So Paul is saying, the gospel is the word of the truth. It's something that was brought to you, that was given to you, that is the absolute truth. It's not just good news, as many of us, of us have perhaps heard good news this week. How many of you had good news this week? Somebody. Just, there's just some people in the front. Anybody else? Anybody? Okay, there's good news there. Over there was good news. All right, I'm not going to ask you for the opposite. All right? So there's good news flying around. But the best news that you could ever hear is the word of truth. That is, Jesus loves you and saved you from sin. Okay, anybody else now? Have you heard good news this week? Because that is good news that I just gave you. So now all of you should raise your hands. Uh-huh. Very good. <laughs> That's better. I like an audience where there are hands raised. <laughs> but anyway, so chapter 1 verse 5 talks about this good news. Because it really starts introducing us to this good news. But then it says in verse 6, Paul is saying, which has come to you, this good news has come to you, as indeed it has come to the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. <laughs> and so that's what we want to talk about, is the fact that when the word of truth comes to us, it doesn't just stay the word of truth. It, it bears fruit in our lives, and it continues to increase. And that's what we've been trying to encourage each other with, is that the word of God, the gospel, should increase in our lives it cannot just save us it should sanctify us too you get that the gospel of truth the word of truth that jesus came to die for my sin is there to save me how many of you have been saved through that great more hands coming up great i love that but it shouldn't just stay at saving us it should not grow into sanctifying us changing us, transforming us. How many of you have seen transformation take place in your life? Through becoming more patient? Anyone? Yeah. I just want to say, no. That's one of the things that we can't marvel about is in front of people saying, I really feel that I've become such an incredible patient. And the other one is humble. How many of you become more humble? 
over the last year. <laughs> Maybe just keep your hand raised so we can pray with you. Because you shouldn't have your hand raised for that one. <laughs> the fact that you raise your hand is indicative that there's no work to be done in you. That's great. And that's what the gospel has come to do for you. All right. So praise the Lord for the sanctification work. I want to take you to a chapter in the Bible where, where Paul actually he, uh, reprimands one of his friends about this. In Galatians chapter 2, we're talking about the gospel having come, not just to save us, but to change us, all right? The gospel and I. All right, so Galatians chapter 2. Paul actually talks about Peter, and he says something to Peter in this letter about Peter. Chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, when Cephas came to Antioch, Cephas is really Peter, all right? See that? Peter is called Cephas in this context. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. It's like, I'm in your face, buddy. What have you done? That's really, really what he's trying to say to the, to the believers in Galatia. He's saying, when he came, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He did something that was not in agreement with the gospel. Ooh. And then carries on. Verse 12, it says, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. All right. So before certain men came from James, and we, in this context, he was talking about the Jews coming from James. But before they came, he was sitting down with the Gentiles, the non-Jews. He was having a great Satsanyama time with them. <laughs> hey, boys. It's just <laughs> lovely. We can eat everything. We're Gentiles. And, um, and, and, and whether we're Gentile or Jew, it's not an issue. That's fine. But when they came, the certain men from James, the Jews, now it's, uh, it's his buddies because he's a Jew himself. He's sitting here having a lunch with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came, whoa, he quickly withdrew from them and separated himself fearing the circumcision party, fearing that the Jews, the circumcision party, would now condemn him for having been with the Gentiles. So in that moment, he's making a statement saying, when I'm with the Gentiles and there's no Jew around, I'm, I'm a great friend of theirs. Hey, that's my shamwari. I can sit with them. But when the circumcision guys come, my Jewish buddies, I can't be seen with the Gentiles. Ah, so I withdraw from them just so that I can be in good standing with the Jews. Paul is saying in verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them. So he was a hypocrite and they actually acted hypocritically with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Verse 14, he says, But when I saw that their conduct, listen to this, was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? <laughs> Let's forget about the context in a sense, the Jew, the Gentile, the food, the, the circumcision, or whatever. Let's talk about the fact that he said in verse 14, Peter, what you were doing 
is that you were no longer in step with the gospel. The gospel said this, that God came through His Son and died for all, that all could be one. That's what the gospel came to do. The gospel did not just come to bring you and give you access to heaven. The gospel came to bring heaven into your life so that when you mix with Jew or Gentile, you will not be hypocritical. You will accept everyone on the same basis. That's what the gospel ought to be doing in our lives. We cannot just say, I'm saved, but I say, <laughs> You, sorry buddy, or they, or those. Those kind of thinkings does not, cannot exist within the heart of a person who says that they have been impacted by the gospel. And so around us here today, and it's a beautiful picture of just the kingdom of God and the community that God builds. I have the privilege of looking at you, and you're looking pretty fine. Because you all look so different. That is the beauty of what the gospel comes and does. I spoke to somebody just on, uh, on Friday. They said to me, um, I, we happened to quickly go down the church that we left from in South Africa, celebrate their, um, their 25th um, birthday this weekend. And they invited us to be part of it. And it was an incredibly um, honorable moment. And during the course of just meeting people that I hadn't seen for perhaps some of them 10 years ago, I bumped into someone that told me that a mutual friend that we have had left for a certain nation in this world um, to go and, and minister to a certain people that had left South Africa to stay in this nation. And so he's gone to pastor a church for this certain people in that certain nation. And it's Afrikaans people living in New Zealand. And he's gone to pastor a church there for them. And I thought, yeah, that's great, you know. But inside the kingdom of the diversity that we have, we've got to realize that when we become one, and, and we were just chatting about that concept of, imagine I'm an Afrikaans person. I find it very difficult just to have Afrikaans people in my church. And, and through that, I'm saying to almost all of you that you can't come. Because it's going to be done in Afrikaans. And as we all in Afrikaans gaan doen, gaan nie een van julle dit rechtig verstaan nie. So is dat julle nou na my kyk. The way that you're looking at me is already an indication that you have no idea what I'm talking about. But, I mean, but the point is, if I carry on talking about that, you're going to have to leave. And through that I'm saying, okay, I, I, in a sense, this is just for a selected few. And in that, we're kind of missing out on something of the beauty of the gospel, I thought. That here we are, different people. Shona. And Debele, we have the English, praise the Lord for them. <laughs> we have the Afrikaans, some of them, yeah, yeah. But we have a diversity of people and of nationalities. And we come together and we celebrate because the gospel of truth has come to our hearts. And when we look at each other, it's not that you're different, or you look different, yeah, you do. But we are no different. We can celebrate our uniqueness and our oneness in the gospel. That's what the gospel comes to do. I want to encourage you this morning. Let the gospel of truth so penetrate your heart that it will move any prejudice from your heart, any racism from your heart, any, any preference to a specific people group from your heart. 
because we cannot live with the gospel of truth having penetrated our hearts with those things still evident. It is a sure sign then that the gospel of truth still needs to find greater ground in our hearts. Amen? I believe you know that the gospel needs to grow still in our lives. Thank you for those three hands. It has to increase. It has to grow. And so this is what the good news has done. It's not just there for, to bring life about eternal life. It's about bringing life into our current lives. And um, I love the fact that we all talk about the fact that it's not how you start, but it's how you finish really in life, isn't it? I mean, it's like running a long distance. You can run that first kilometer as fast as you can. But if there's another 20 left, then uh, you may not have any oomph left for it. And so people will not to ask you, so how was your first kilometer? How fast did you run the first kilometer? It is about how long did it take you to finish the 21? Uh-huh. When I... I love running and I love distance running and, and um, people don't ask you after you've completed a race. So, hey, so tell us, how, what was your first kilometer like? Or the first hundred meters of the marathon? People ask you how much time, how, in what time did you finish it? Because it's not how you, it's how you finish. And how you start is important, and absolutely. You know, we've got to start somewhere. But in essence of, of life, it's how you finish. And somewhere, all of us are going to finish one day. Hey, that's a harsh reality. We've got to talk about that. And that's why we're preparing each other for the finish, but we're also preparing us for this race in between the start and the finish. And if you started with Jesus and you've entered the race with Him, well done! Well done! And if you haven't yet, We'd like to help you because you've got to start somewhere. A meeting on a Sunday is not a start. A confession of our sins and acknowledging that He is Lord and that we need Him is the start. And there will be a finish one day. For all of us, there will be a finish to this race here on earth. And we want to finish well. Having said like Jesus said, wow, what a wonderful statement that he made. He said, it is finished. I've done what I've come to do. And you have been created for something bigger than yourself. That's why you need the one who is bigger than you to help you to fulfill your purpose here on earth. And so as we pursue him to finish this race, we say, God, please equip me to run kilometer after kilometer after kilometer after kilometer after year after year after year after year so that you will be honored and I'll finish well. That is why the gospel has to increase in our lives, friends. We've got to allow a greater understanding of who Jesus is to penetrate our hearts. I want to put a statement up here if I can. And it talks about just something so incredibly valuable for us to understand. It says that people, we are people. You are people. All right? It says people need to be won by the glory of God, the magnificence, the beauty, the wonder of God, in order to be won for the glory of God, for His credit, for His fame, for His praise. 
And really what it says is, the gospel is this. The gospel which is Jesus Christ coming to die for us is the magnificence, the beauty, and the wonder of God. The thing that makes me get up every day to live with a higher purpose is if we're caught, if we are engaging this beauty of who God is and His glory, and we see through Scripture who Jesus is and what He's done for us, anything, anything is possible. Because if I live for His credit, for His fame, for His praise, for His glory, then I say, God, here I am. I'm available. And seriously, this statement or this sentence is really the life of Jesus. Jesus came from the glory of God. And because he had a clear understanding of the glory of God, it was no effort for him to live for the glory of God. It becomes difficult to live for someone's glory if you don't know that someone. Our purpose here on earth on, is, is a drag, is suffering then. So I've got to live for Jesus. I've got to give my life to Christ. Every day I've got to die to myself to live for Him. I've got something bigger to live for than just try to find a career and, and find money and find a wife, find a husband and have children. There's got to be something more. And in and, and everything I try to, try to make it as fun as possible, but it becomes difficult when I take away the glory of God. When we live for ourselves and for something else than God, then living for the glory of God is impossible. But when we are captured by the glory of God, if we see God for who He is, if we are absolutely amazed by this beautiful God, then the reality is this. Anything becomes possible. When you see Jesus for who He is, then, uh, then responding for what Jesus asks of you is no effort. That's why Jesus could say, you want, you can take this cup away from me, Father, rather, but instead I'll, I'll prefer to do your will because He was captivated by the glory of God. Second portion of Scripture, and remember, we're on just this journey to try to see how incredible this gospel is and what the gospel should do to our lives. Second Peter chapter 1, if you want to just turn there with me. I want to show you just... what the gospel is able to do. Second Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read from, from verse... Um, from verse 7, out to verse 3 rather. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Beautiful verse there. Verse 4 says, By which He has granted to us very, His precious and very great promises that to, through them you may become partakers of His divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
says, now this is what you have. Divine power, promises, His nature you can partake of. He says in verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort. Say with me, make every effort. Make every effort. So it means that there's work to be done. Hey, church. It's not work to be saved. That doesn't help you. Work to get saved will not get you anywhere. Jesus has done that work already. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. All right? And that's the good works that He calls on us. Your good works to get saved will get you nowhere. But your good works because you are saved will glorify your Father in heaven. All right? So He carries on. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So it talks about this progressive thing that needs to happen in our lives. Uh-huh. So he's trying to say in very simple fashion, what I said to you earlier on, it's good to start, but it's how you finish that's going to count. It's how we finish this race set before us. So Paul, or Peter is rather saying to the believers, he says, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and, and steadfastness with godliness and, and godliness with brotherly affection and, and brotherly affection with love. He says, verse 8, For if these qualities, these that I've just mentioned, are yours and are increasing. So it's not just, hey, have you got this stuff in your life? Or is there some evidence of it? Love, brotherly affection, self-control. Are they somewhat there? Uh, I think last year about Christmas, I had a great moment. I remember that. Man, I was really just so cool with people. It's like, man, I was kind. I remember 25th December 2018, it was a really special day. It's like, I mean, I can, I can actually ask you to contact the people that we spent Christmas with. And they would vouch that I was very kind to them. But I can't remember ever since if anything has happened like that. I, really, I was really kind. I'll tell you the stories of how kind I was. But Peter's saying, it's great to have them, but they must be increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the knowledge of our Jesus Christ is the good news, the gospel that has come. So when you increase in the knowledge of Him, these things tend to become more evident in your life. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. All the more diligent talks about, hey, we've got to take responsibility for our lives. To confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Folks, this is incredibly important. That the gospel is not just a door to the way in. The entrance point into God's kingdom. The gospel is so much more. It is not just the door, it is the path that we need to walk. So you have entered through the door of salvation. Jesus has opened a door for us into a relationship with God the Father, but that's just the beginning. We've got to now walk the path. There's a journey that we need to be on. And we cannot just marvel at the fact that, yeah, I remember 
whatever year it was, whatever day it was, that that's when I got saved. Praise the Lord for that. We celebrate salvation, but we also celebrate sanctification. We also celebrate the fact that we become more like Christ. We appear more like Him. And I want to just take you on a simple diagram thing that I found is just so helpful for us to understand this growth path that we're in. You're good? You ready? We still have a good time. Don't worry. The second meeting is not due to start yet. And uh, we're going to make it, all right? So just relax. Take a deep breath. I'm relaxed, as you can see. <laughs> and I'm okay. So um, if you can be okay too, that'll be helpful. All right? Good. Just check your neighbor. Smile. You guys are very serious this morning. All right? There was a joke cracked here in the morning. I was in the middle and front row. That's fine. I want to take you on this gospel grid, and, and I want to help you to see through it how important it is for the gospel to increase in our lives. That's the purpose. This is not a, you know, a hardcore teaching moment. It's just helping you understand that what you started off with, you need to see it increase. Okay? And at the end of the day, we cannot walk out here and ask you, you know, how is it increasing? And it's something that should be shown, because it talks about ineffective and unfruitful, a tree is known by its fruit. So the gospel and its influence on you should be seen by others. Hello? Hello? It's not, well, I can see this in my own life, but nobody else sees it. It's like, yeah. I mean, this tree saying, I am an orange tree, but you get these um, avocados coming out. It's like, yeah, Betty. It's like, no ways. You can say, I'm an orange tree for, until you're blue in the face. But there's avos on you. It's like, get, get with it, you know. It's like, yeah, I am saved, okay? But I mean, it's like, buddy, sorry, I know that you're saved. I know that you get to heaven when you die. But at the moment, we don't see the fruit of that salvation actually really becoming evident. I don't care, because when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Like, you know what? You're missing something. There's something that needs to change in the way that you look at life. That it's not just about eternity. It's about now, so that others can find eternity through your life. Wow. So the gospel grid, that's what we want to talk about. First slide. See that? Makes sense, eh? All right. And so where do you find yourself there? Can you just come somebody just point? Where do you think you are? Are you there? Okay, great, Sean. That's helpful. So the gospel grid is simply this. Next slide says the following, that over time, conversion comes. All right? Whatever time that it would have been for you. And if you're still on that timeline when you haven't got to conversion yet, hey, we'd love to help you. But over time, we, we live our lives and we live a sinful and a selfish life and we get to a place where the cross, the gospel comes. And we see it. And it leads to conversion. Uh-huh. All right? And the only way that we can be converted is through the reality and the truth of, of the word of truth, which is the gospel. And friend, there's no other way to get saved but through the cross of Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross. Okay? So after that, we see that we're on this process. The next one. Where we actually, according to now Colossians, we're just taking it from the, from the letter of Colossians. We're saying we, we can go two routes. We can stay trying to be what I am. And Colossians 3 verse 5 to 11 talks about that we need to put to death some stuff. There's some activities that have come with us over time. We get converted but I want to stay the same. Leave me like I am. I'm going to go to heaven one day, but leave me. 
That's just who I am. Okay. Anyway, the next thing that we are encouraged to consider is a desire to, to grow towards Christ's likeness. That we want to change. And that's what Colossians in that portion talks about. Is that there's some things that need to change in our lives. But it's only possible through this next life. That growing in us. You see, if you keep the cross small, maybe go back, could you? Sharon, thanks. If you keep the cross small, not going to be possible. Next slide. The cross, as it grows in us, the understanding of who Christ is, see the separation taking place. That more of Christ is formed in me. And that happens over time. We don't know where that, that arrow comes to an end in our lives. But it's through the cross of Jesus increasing in us that the separation between my will and His will increases. And His will becomes more evident and my will becomes less. The unfortunate thing is the next slide is it can change or it can stay the same where we actually shrink the cross and we say, the cross is just there, as I said earlier on. It's just a door for me into salvation. It's just a door into heaven. And I, and I live with the cross being still small. Jesus Christ being very, very small in my life. His effectiveness is limited by my desire to get to know him more. And so what I do is I actually shrink the cross. Sorry, there's some children just running around there at the back that if we can just help, um, just please, they um, would be kind if you, somebody could attend. That's why, don't worry, don't worry, the building is still standing. <laughs> um, but anyway, we, we see that if we do not let the cross grow in our lives and we keep it small, we actually shrink it. We say that Jesus is only that important to me. And what we then do, because we start mixing with believers, we can do two things, and that's the next one. We can pretend or we can perform. <laughs> we can pretend that the cross is big. Like I, I come and I, I, I have the nice talks and I, and I pretend that everything is, when you say something about Jesus, yeah, I'm right there, I'm right there, I'm right there with you. You talk about God, I'm right there. When you talk about the Bible, I'm right there with you. And I pretend. I pretend that Jesus is increasing in my life. Or I perform. I start looking at what others are doing. And, and I perform. I've been watching a little bit of rugby over late. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's a big event happening called the Rugby World Cup. But anyway, there's this one ad that's incredible. It's, it's this guy that's standing in the middle of a crowd. And, and the crowd's going, wow! And they... And he's like looking around and he doesn't actually want to know what to do, but he wants to be part of the crowd. Uh-huh. And so when he sees them going, yeah, he also goes, yeah, because he wants to be part of the crowd. And, and when they shout, he, oh, that's what we need to do. Because they're shouting, I should, he doesn't have a clue probably about rugby, but he's shouting. And I think that's what happens often in the life of the church. If we, if we don't know nothing or very little about Christ, we, I'm in the right place. I'm in the spot of, you know, I'm on a church on a Sunday. Uh, they're doing that. So let me just kind of perform to kind of be accepted by them. And we have none of that at all on anybody I trust. That if you come into the life of King City Church, we do not expect of you to perform to a certain level so that you can be accepted and welcome. Nothing like that. Because the gospel doesn't do that. But this is the danger that can happen. As we shrink the cross, as we keep it small, we either are falling into the trap of pretending that we are followers and we are growing or we have to perform to, sh to um, 
present our growth to people, but it's actually empty. The last one says, this is the way forward. Is if we choose to follow Jesus. Choose to follow Him. To lay down our lives and say, not my will be done, but yours. And I want to encourage you this morning that this is the life that Jesus calls us to live. I ask you, Yanko, would you just come to the front, please, as we come to a closing. I want to ask you to just look at your heart. This is a journey that we're on, and we're going to keep on talking about letting the gospel grow in us, letting the gospel take more shape in our lives so that God will be honored, so that at the end of the day, less of us will be seen and more of Him. This morning, I want to ask you, first of all, if you've never seen the gospel come into your heart, that a moment like this is a great time where we could say, God, please come into my life. Forgive me for my sins and save me. I need you. I cannot go without you. I need the word of truth to penetrate my heart to know that I am not saved through any effort of my own but I'm only saved through the complete work of Jesus on the cross if you're there we'd like to pray with you after the meeting the second thing I want to mention that if you have been walking with God and you see the reality of what the split should look like and you recognize this morning that the split is only possible the wider the split the width of the split is only possible as the gospel increases in my life. And I ask you this morning to commit yourself afresh again to say, God, please let the gospel increase in me so that this could happen. Less of me and more of you. Just a practical way for us to say, my life here on earth is about Him. It's not about me. So let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you today for the beauty of your gospel. And I thank you that it's come to save us, but it's also come to change us. And I pray for people, Lord God, first of all, people who have never said yes to you, and say, please save me from my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I want to serve you. I want to pray secondly for people, Lord God, that are here today that are saying, I want to see the gospel increase in my life. And that increased process is a wonderful journey. It's called relationship with God. And so I pray right now, Lord God, that people will say, yes, please, please, Lord God, let the word of truth increase in me and I commit myself towards that process. Father, I pray for your grace upon people to say yes. To whatever is relevant. So in your heart, just friend, wherever you are, if you're saying yes to whatever, first time commitment to Christ or a commitment to an increase of the word of truth in your life, won't you just stand and say, Lord, my standing is a yes to you. I'm just standing because I want to say yes. 
through whatever it is that needs to happen in my life. So just stand, not for anybody else to see. We're standing as an act of worship, actually. We say, Lord, we worship you this way. We say, Jesus, look at our hearts. We want to see first-time change come, but we also want to see continued change come. We want to start off well, but we want to finish well too. So I pray, Lord God, as people stand before you right now, that you will help them in the steps forward. Whether it's a first step or just a continued step, Lord, I pray for your grace upon your people to continue with you. We trust you. We worship you, Jesus.